1: welcome back ladies and gentlemen to pitch the podium this is myself somal here and today to discuss the Austrian oh, oh steirn grand prix in fact i've got kunalcha here with me and kunal
0: that was quite it, a good race in the end it was you know after all the confusion of the hashtag i'm pretty <laughs> happy that you know the hashtag was fine uh, you know at the end of the at the end of the race or you know uh, even in terms of the results i think it was pretty pretty okay a race it wasn't all that boring and uh, you know i was asked a couple of hours ago how i would rate the grand prix and i think if you look at the weekend as a whole i think the stadium grand prix weekend was pretty good we had a fantastic qualifying session yesterday and uh, i'll put it this way we've had far more boring races in the past and you know sunday wasn't necessarily a, 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 you know a lightning quick entertaining race but it it was a it was not a bad one altogether Simon.
1: Uh absolutely i think we just have been Uh, Say, say for instance, our expectations have been inflated by the last Australian rugby that we had last weekend. So this one, although it was fantastic, it may just seem like a little bit dull. But that said, on the whole, there are lots of talking points to discuss. And where do we begin, Kunal? Uh, I think let's start with with our own pitch to podium moment of the day. And mine can't go beyond Ferrari's accident in the very first lap. Um, (laughs) It's it's just been going from bad to worse with the prancing horses. We came into the season expecting them to have a decent one. Then Austrian Grand Prix will realise it's going to be a bad one. All of a sudden, we come to the Syrian Grand Prix and it turns out it's just going to be a proper season in the drain as such because very first lap, Kunal, and both of them are taking each other out.
0: So that's that's the ultimate no-no in the world of motorsport. Absolutely. And, you know, my pitch to podium would be lap 1 and lap 71 because literally <laughs> go through the two laps that had all the action, Okay. But uh, coming to Ferrari, yes, uh, very, very surprising that, you know, uh, we're seeing them go this way. But again, you know, they brought in, they they accelerated uh, accelerated their upgrades program. They brought in new upgrades to the Styrian Grand Prix and the likes. But, you know, they just lacked pace. And I think what Charles was trying to do there, and it sort of showed in his post-accident interview, uh, you know, he said that I was just trying to make up as much ground on the first lap as I could. And that was probably a sign of, uh, you know, a driver trying to overcome the, the pace deficit mm. of the package that, you know, you know, he's surrounded by. And that's what he tried to do. It was a very silly mistake. It was even worse, given that he took out, you know, his teammate, Sebastian Vettel, who, of course, has is, is just had a really bad start to the weekend. But you know that's just how it goes for Ferrari. You know, I was trying to see the official uh, timing sheets and they've not been in the top eight all through the Styrian Grand Prix weekend.
1: Wow. That is an absolutely mind-blowing stat. So Ferrari's worries aren't only restricted to qualifying pace. Even in the races, Kunal, there were lots of expectations surrounding the new packages that came in. And people were saying, okay, maybe Ferrari will be just a tad bit faster. Again, not, didn't really happen in qualifying. And David Croft mentioned quite a good point in the, in the race. I mean, I usually, not, I'm not really the biggest fan of his commentaries, but one really good point that he mentioned over there is Ferrari, they had to get 71 laps in today. They had to prove a point, and they had to make sure that they could get all the data from the new upgrades and show that they weren't in as deep of a rut as they were in. Turns out, in fact, they're, they're an even bigger problem right now. And I think it, it doesn't even make sense to discuss who was at fault right there. I mean, the clerk quite maturely coming out and saying, it was my fault, I accepted it, but... That's not the way it goes for them. I mean, as Martin Rudd also mentioned on the broadcast, it's so hard to see a Formula One race with a Ferrari right at the top.
0: And the struggles just keep on dragging on for them. What's next for them now at this stage? I think just finishing a Grand Prix in the points is a good enough target for Hungary. <laughs> That's how it should be. You know, an error-free weekend as you know we would call it in the world of sport and motorsport, of course. But uh, you know the only way for the only way for them is now forward, okay? And let's hope that it really isn't a dogged season, you know, as uh, as it has been in the first two rounds of 2020. Because you know uh, the thousandth Grand Prix is coming up uh, for Ferrari at Mugello. It's been confirmed that it's going to be at their home race, and I, I hope they have you know they have some pace to show for their thousandth Grand Prix start. It shouldn't be another shambolic embarrassing experience for the street area. Absolutely. I think the whole of this season just has been an embarrassment at this stage. But as you rightly
1: mentioned, Goodall, the only way from here is going to be up. And But by, by trolling someone like Matiyah Binotto on the internet, I don't think that's the correct thing to do. Because NBA, They're doing their job. So, I mean, of course, it's a different thing that their job is right in front of the public eye. But I think the least that the fans can do at this stage is just get behind them. Just lower their expectations. EC said they're done, of course, but Except the fact that this year isn't really going to be as strong as and who knows maybe even the best results like the top five finish may seem like an even bigger one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we'll probably get to see how Charles uh, and Sebastian perform in the midfield, you know, which we have seen is Uber competitive. And there's nothing wrong in, you know, competing in the midfield. You know, we've had several top teams do that time and again. And uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the drivers sort of try and compensate for you know, what we clearly know is a slow car, as, as, you know, we saw in, in Austria last uh, week with Sebastian. And again, in, you know, in this week's race, the Styrian Grand Prix with Charles. So, clearly, the drivers can't entirely be put at fault. You know, they have to try and, you know, try and overcome that pace deficit they have.
1: Absolutely. That's one thing that Ferrari really needs at this stage. I mean, they have two good, really experienced drivers who are trying to get the maximum out of the car. Again, some people are really saying that Vettel isn't able to do that. But the way Leclerc has performed maturely in the Austrian Grand Prix and the way he's actually come out and say that, OK, it really is my fault. Don't really put the blame on anyone else. I think that's a sign of a really good driver. And if anything, it just is a sign for good things to come for him in the future. And that's a good attitude, I must say.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, he's got a long future ahead of him. Uh, the same may not be able to, you know, same. the same can't probably be repeated <laughs> Sadly. for uh, Sebastian Vettel. But, uh, you know, overall, I think, uh, that's how it was for ferrari you know and it, it's probably something they'll just uh, you know want to forget because i also know that you know they canceled their post trace press conference which would have been with matea and sebastian and charles so clearly they they want to take this time to introspect and you know be by themselves and see what went wrong uh, without trying to you know get too much of the you know get too much in the public eye which of course you know being ferrari it's it's a tough one uh, Always manage, but I think we've given them enough airtime. You know more than the <laughs> airtime they had in the race. Uh, I would say true. Uh, but let's move on to the next point, which is my favorite, which is the midfield battle that we saw. You know, uh, like you said just before we sat to record, there, it was filled with entertainment. You know, we had the likes of uh, Racing Point versus uh, McLaren versus even the Renault really light up uh, the midfield battles and, you know, I'd love to hear what you have uh, in, in your race notes.
1: Ah, where do I begin? So
0: actually, uh, I'll, start from the, I'll start from the middle, if that's
1: the best place to put it. Because we saw Ricciardo going on an alternate strategy and he was strapping around with Esteban Ocon. Touching up on Ricciardo first, I think. He went on the mediums and then on the soft. A bit of a reverse strategy. In the end, I think I would say it paid off rather decently because he did manage to get a good enough result. I think that was P8, if I'm not mistaken, in the end. Of course, he got passed in by the other cars later on, but I think that's that's the least that he could have done at that stage. And Initially, it looked like the reverse strategy didn't really pay off because when all the other drivers were on mediums, I normally expect the soft to have a bit of a pace advantage, but Ricciardo didn't really seem to be able to work it out towards the end. But still, I think a P8 is somewhat of a decent result for Renner to have at that particular stage. But Kunal... The battle between Ricciardo and Ocon. Now, we'll just quickly progress from the incident by uh, the, the progression of the race, one by the other. Because then we'll reach the, US, the end, which is pretty much the climax of this one. But that particular thing, do you think Ocon was holding up Ricciardo a bit too much? And what well, what do you have to say about Renault's pace in general? Because this weekend, they seem to be a whole lot faster than they were in the last time on. Yeah,
0: I think Renault uh, you know, have shown that they've made a massive you know, step forward. They were competing with the likes of McLaren, which is something that they struggled with in twenty twenty nineteen. Of course, last weekend was tougher because you know Ricardo clearly had uh, you know uh, retirement because of you know mechanical issues and so on. But Esteban Ocon drove fairly well in qualifying. It was a shame to lose him uh, to again retire. You know uh, reliability issues in the race. But you know coming to Ocon versus Ricardo, I personally feel that you know. Renault should have stepped in and, you know, given Ricardo the sort of uh, right to go forward because they were on different strategies, so to say. So, you know, it was probably right for the team to try and sort of maximize their options in the race, given that, you know, for Ricardo to, you know, make use of the medium tyres, he needed a clean run at the start, but he probably chewed up a lot of his tyres just fighting Esteban. And, you know, given that there weren't uh, probably team orders involved, you know, at least, uh, the radio hasn't been made public yet. Um, you know, Esteban was right on. You know, holding uh, Ricardo as well because Esteban is clearly wanting to prove that despite being away for you know eighteen odd months, he's still got the bite and you know he's got the measure of Daniel Ricardo, regarded as the best in the business and the like. So you know, fair play both ends. You know, if the team would have intervened, and like I said, we don't know if they did. Uh, It would have probably made a bigger difference to them. You know, Ricardo at the end uh, was just, uh, you know, he was was on the softer tyre, which of course went off the cliff much earlier. I think he would have probably finished sixth had, you know, had the incident between him and Stroll been a little more fair, I would say. But, you know, that's how it goes in motorsport. I don't think, uh, you know, Stroll has to be faulted for trying what he did. But, Hmm. you know, having said that, it was... Pretty cheeky of Lando Norris to just dive in and make the most of, you know, whatever he got. And, you know, for the second uh, time, in a f- for a second race in a row, Lando Norris provided last lap entertainment.
1: That's the thing, you see. The last laps have just been so intense over here for the last couple of weekends. I mean, the last time we saw Lando Norris just go for a kamikaze lap, eventually getting in P3, his best-ever result in Formula 1. But this time, Kunal... I think it was somewhat of his best ever performance because he was, I think, all the way back down. He had made, made up three places towards the end. Three or two places, if I'm not mistaken. I'll just quickly check up on that later on. It was three, right? He was, because
0: he got, yeah. he got, he, he got uh, Stroll, then he got uh, Ricardo. Perry. Oh,
1: he, he got Perez as
0: well yes. on the last lap, exactly.
1: Yeah. He
0: did so a block to Perez, you know, just on the… Pretty much. Between the, second, the, the last two corners, he got Perez.
1: Pretty much. He, he saw one opportunity. I mean, when… I think in terms of the incident, I think we have to discuss the incident between Ocon and uh, Ricciardo, not Ocon and Ricciardo, I'm sorry, Ricciardo and uh, Lance Stoll at that particular point of time, because that is the reason why Stroll was able to catch up in the first place. I think that's fair racing in the end. I think Stoll saw an opportunity, went down the inside, a bit aggressive, I, I agree, yes. I mean, but at that stage of the race, you have to go aggressive. I mean, if you don't go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver, and especially if it's on the lap, especially if it's on the final
0: couple of laps of the race, yeah. you have to go for it. And so he did. Uh, absolutely, but you know, I must say, and Ricardo's point of view probably holds a lot more. Uh, uh, make, makes a lot more sense to me. Had Daniel Ricardo turned in where he would have usually turned in, the two would have collided, and you know, absolutely, and would have probably taken him out, and you know, spun him around, or something would have happened. Uh, I think uh, Lance was probably not fully sure when he you know, moved mm. in to the inside to sort of take the line. And then he realized that, oh my God, I have any way committed. So let me just try and see what I can do there. Again, like last weekend, you know, between Hamilton and Albin, I, I termed it as a racing incident. And I would, yeah. you know, I'm glad that this was also seen as a racing incident because, you know, you're going into a braking zone, 300 or 310 kilometers per hour. You're trying to see who you can overtake. While not being overtaken behind by Lando Norris, and you know you're trying to break and trying to catch the best line and the best exit, so lots of uh, changing uh, variables going through Lance's, you know, uh, going inside Lance's mind at that point. And you know, I'm glad he made an attempt because you know you usually don't see Lance Stroll making such bold attempts, or at least they're not televised because he, he runs in the back of the midfield. But, you know, it's also uh, not unlike Lance Stroll to lose positions on the last lap, you know. <laughs> and again, I'm being a little critical here. I, I was pretty pleased with how he managed his qualifying yesterday. But, you know, in the race, you know, I think the, the Racing Point cars, per se, did a very good job. But when you, you know, again, I'm jumping, but when you look at what Sergio Perez could do from P17, you would have probably hoped a little more from Lance, yeah. Lance Stroll. You know, given that he was starting in in the, you know in, in, just in a, in a much better position than than yeah. Sergio Perez. I don't remember where he started, you know, clearly, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's been think, a while uh, qualifying. <laughs> it has, really yes. But in, in the end, it was a lot of entertainment. You know, the last lap was fantastic. I, I loved uh, Checo's uh, you know chase of uh, all the cars, including Alexander Albon as well. And uh, I'd, I'd love to see what happens of Albin after today's race. Because today's race was a little bit of a question mark on, you know, what was happening.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it was a bit of a tricky one for Alexander Albin. When you see someone like Landon Norris, and we just have to speak about him briefly, because two weekends in a row, he's ended up producing some really comic last laps. Again, as we mentioned, last time in Austria, got his podium placed right there. This one saw one opportunity and just went hell for leather over there. Got the position in, in the end. And, by the most dramatic of margins in the way he overtook Sergio Perez on the final lap. But when you compare his particular race, of course, McLaren did the right thing by letting him go past, past the head of Carlos Sainz, which we shall discuss later on. But him and Alex Albon, now, I'd like to put them on an equal scale because McLaren are pushing for that number 3, number 4 spot at this stage. They are being fairly consistent and they have got the pace as well. So, Red Bull, they, they are in one place with Max Verstappen, but Alex Albon just seems to be hindering them a little bit. Now, In terms of talent, I wouldn't rate Albon and Landon Norris any different to each other. They are coming up from pretty much the same generation of motorsports. Similar breeds, similar types, similar driving styles as well in the end. I think very aggressive. And Albon just isn't really able to get the best out of the Red Bull car. Um, Christian Ono also said, while the race was going on, we wish we could have had two cars fighting against the Mercedes because the Mercedes pretty much outweighed Max Verstappen at the top. And that didn't really allow Red Bull to have the strategic leverage that Mercedes had. And in that particular case, you somewhat wonder, can Red Bull be stronger with this second car? Can someone like Alex Albon perform even better over here? Because when we had Daniel Ricciardo, that wasn't a worry. The worry back then was reliability because you had two A-listers. But Kunal, it all comes up to the same problem, right? When you've got two hot-headed, fierce characters in one team, you may get the best results possible on track, but they may just go head-to-head against each other a bit too much. But when you
0: have a calmer character like Albon,
1: you know, the results aren't really flowing their way.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, personally, I thought Albin up until now held up pretty well against a Max yeah. Verstappen, uh, you know, uh, but for example, today's race was one of those first times where you saw that he had a massive pace deficit, you know, enough uh, for, you know, Red Bull to decide to pit Max Verstappen closer towards the end of the race and still come out, uh, you know, in third place. So definitely a question mark on Albin's performance performance. Today, uh, you know, especially, you know, and, you know, if you look back seven days ago, he was suddenly the star of the race. So, you know, sometimes you just have it good, you have it bad. But, uh, you know, in in the Red Bull uh, Junior Academy, you're not allowed to have too many bad days, as we all know. So I'm sure it's something that will weigh up on Alex's uh, minds as well. But, uh, you know, that said, of course, two cars fighting gives you definitely a better leverage in terms of strategy. And that's something Red Bull will have in mind. So... This is where the whole talk of could Vettel go back to Red Bull, coming, yeah, but, you know, Vettel being a stronger second driver and so on. I don't see. You've opened the Pandora box, now. You've opened the Pandora box. In 2021, I think you know you'll probably take a break and come back for 2022, if at all, and you know if Red Bull are still struggling to find the second driver and and the so on. But uh, you know, strategic leverage is extremely important, and you know, we we saw at the end that. Max ran out of, uh, you know, tire grip towards the end. when yeah, charging. Exactly. But, you know, one of the reasons why Red Bull actually tried to pit early was to try and force Mercedes onto an alternate strategy with Lewis Hamilton. And then with the hope that, you know, a late race safety car or something would come up where they you know, then they're you know, definitely able to go make a second stop and get fresher, softer rubber. So, had there been a second Red Bull in the reckoning, maybe Mercedes would have acted differently as hmm. well. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think we just have to give drivers time to settle down and absolutely and see see how see how twenty twenty progresses for them.
1: Absolutely, and again, let's let's put it really rather simply forward. I mean, if you if you're fighting against someone with guns, you might you might actually have guns yourself because you can't fight against someone with guns with a knife. I mean, you can take all the hope in your heart and you can have all the sort of fiercely forward and determination in your heart, but. Again, you have a major weapons disadvantage in this case, so you have to cover up for that. And for that, you need the second car fighting. And by no means, are uh, driver not allowed to have bad performances. Certainly, of course, everyone has a bad day in their job. We, we too, have a bad day in a job as well. But for Alex Albon, the reason why it's a little bit more under the spotlight is because Red Bull, they need to get the maximum, maximum possible from their limited resources. And the resources aren't limited to their budgets at this stage, but their car. And they have to the disadvantage in terms of their car with Mercedes. Now, for this to happen, someone like Albon needs to step up. So, again, the pressure is really on him. But I think we can give him just one bad race here. And not, not even we, who are we to judge in the end. But I think something for him to work on in the end. But we must speak about the last lap again, Kunal. Because say what you want, we eventually come back to Albon and the Red Bulls. Because Perez versus Albon, that was one rather intense battle that we saw towards the end. And... Sergio Perez, he was running quite a good race and as you can see in the background back there, he he at one stage had the McLaren right ahead of him. But in the end, that sort of faded away with the front-wing damage. So, do you think things could have been somewhat different? And
0: what do you have to comment in general about the way Checo ran his race? I think Checo proved why he was the driver of the day. It was literally a pitch to podium moment, you know, if we were to think of it. Because I personally think he would have been a bit bummed after qualifying yesterday, you know. We know Lance Stroll is a is is a very good wet weather driver, and he showed his class, you know, in qualifying. And Checo would have just been surprised that he got a Q one exit. Okay, uh, you know, he blamed tired temperatures and not being able to get his tires in the working window and so on. But that's fine. But today he proved why he's such a brilliant racing car driver. You know, he was able to chase the field without making mistakes. He went up against. Um, you know the likes of Ricardo and you know the McLaren drivers, and he was he was really close to even getting Alexander Albon, and had that happened, it would have been a massive statement yeah. for che- Checo Perez to make, saying, "Guys, I'm a midfield driver, but I'm still pulling off all these awesome moves." And you know, of course, by the time he got to Albon, he had eaten up his tires, and you know, then again, it's a Red Bull; it's not mm. uh, and as easy to overtake a Red Bull compared to the others and the likes. But I think. Checo had a fantastic, uh, you know, Sunday. I don't think he, of course, had a great Saturday. And mm-hmm. Checo also proved in a way to Lance Stroll how he is still the boss when it comes to racing. Yeah.
1: No, he has to. So Lance Stroll, of course, with such an experienced team like Sergio Perez, What I feel is criminally underrated. It just is a big sign to say someone like Lance Stroll that you have to up your game. But you Kunal, know, the one moment that stood out for me for Sergio Perez in this particular weekend was... I think he came back from P17 and when he overtook Lance Stroll I thought, okay, now the racing points are all together. I think they've settled down at this stage. They've only got enough pace for that. The moment you see, I mean, you blink and you come back, you go from the washroom, you see all of a sudden Jacob Perez is fighting for the next position which is against Alex Albon. And the way Sergio Perez was driving in this particular race, I think it was just incredible to extract that much of performance. Again, yeah, pink Mercedes, say what you want to, but in the end, you have to get that done yourselves. The car, you do have an advantage in terms of the car. But coming back from P17, to get such a good provisional result, because in the end the front damage did cause the major damages towards the end. But, well, I think we should start to
0: look at Sergio Perez as a little bit, little bit more as a more serious contender for the top slots, I should say. Absolutely. I I, I would rate him as you know probably the driver who is capable of getting 7th place in the Drivers' Championship. And, you know, the McLaren boys have, you know, of course, turned out to be a tough cookie for all the right reasons. But Checo's always had this knack of being there to pick up the points. Very clean racer. You know, his incident with Albin at Turn 4, I'm glad for Albin that, you know, it wasn't one more incident at Turn 4 on the outside that sort of cost him a good result. But, uh, you know, it was unfortunate that he had been damaged, you know, but that's how it goes in motorsport, you know, when you take as you need to. You know, there are certain, uh, certain times when it just doesn't work your way. And it just made for such an interesting last lap that, you know, Lando Norris was suddenly just leaping three positions forward because, you know, of greater pace that he had and because of the fact that Checo, had, you know, had, had his, you know, front wing issues. I mean, I personally love to see the drag race, you know, with Norris, uh, Checo, Stroll and Ricardo. It was like four drivers just trying to get first to the line as they should. Yeah, and th- that
1: sort of photo finish that we had right there. I mean, I was jumping on the edge of my seat. Normally, this is something that you don't really expect with Formula 1, considering how measured and how calculated the racing is. But dramatic last laps, I think that's what made the sport so interesting. But you know, only touched up upon the McLarens, and we did speak about that briefly as well. I think that's pretty much the final few talking points that we have for this race. Now, the one good thing that McLaren did towards the end, after Carlos Sainz had a bit of a long stop, I think it was his left rear rear, rear, rear tire that was a bit jammed up and wasn't really ready to go on in time. They did a very good thing by letting Lando Norris pass Carlos Sainz, And I think it's just a good re- uh, reflection of how McLaren have been very tactically smart in, in the recent days. Because, I mean, ever since Fernando Alonso has left, and now it's not entirely blamed on Fernando Alonso or anything, but they just seem to have stepped up a gear. And they are making those smarter tactical decisions and engineering decisions as well that are benefiting them quite a bit on the track. Now, Landon Norris, believe it
0: or not, he's third in the championship at this stage. Absolutely, I mean, I'm pretty pleased with the way McLaren have started the season. Uh, you know, again, they are there to pick up the spoils, and you know, the second race of 2020, there were still spoils because the two, um, you know, the two Ferrari drivers were out early on in the race. We had the likes of Esteban Ocon with a retirement, so you know, three contenders uh, or three rivals that could have been for McLaren were easily, you know, not there, and then. There was one driver again who was there to pick up the spoils as the best of the rest, and that was Lando Norris. And I think you know teamwork is all McLaren need right now to sort of build onto you know becoming championship contenders again. And I, I, I like like we spoke about Renault. You know, I think McLaren were smart enough in employing that strategy. And, you know, personally, I I can imagine it's got nothing to do with the fact that, you know, Sainz is going to Ferrari and Lando's going to stay. I'm sure they would have done the same thing. You know, the drivers were, you know, in in different order in the race. You know, they would have asked Norris to let Sainz go, as, you know, they've done several times in the past. Because, you know, Carlos Sainz, for example, showed his pace in the wet yesterday by qualifying P3 out there. So, pretty, pretty impressive recovery by McLaren already. And uh, I just can't really wait to see them, you know, make the top three or top four category, you know, in the world of Formula One. I mean, technically, it isn't top three right now because Ferrari definitely don't belong there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, probably McLaren were trying to make it uh, make it make an entry into top three, I would say.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's Mercedes. Then we've got Red Bull and somewhat Racing Point, and then the others, and all McLaren, of course,
0: pushing for that mid group right there between Red so that, Bull and Racing Point. That's the form factor that you know, a, a dry race. Is. Yeah, pretty much, absolutely. It was the Mercedes is the class of the field, okay, and then we as always we happen <laughs> as the only contending challenger within Red Bull, and then there's everyone else, okay, and of yeah. course uh, Ferrari stepped back for reasons we've all known and noticed now. But that's pretty much the form factor and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Botas finished second and he still has a 6 points advantage in the driver's Yeah. Team. Let's see what he's able to make out of this, uh, you know, uh, short season or, you know, no longer hopefully a short season. But all, all in all, a, a good uh, couple of uh, weekends in Austria for Formula 1, I would say.
1: Yeah, really fantastic. And just before we wrap up, Kunal, one point that we didn't really discuss before the race, but we really have to right now, was George Russell. Now, Oh, we all know in the end he had a major first lap incident while he was racing with Kevin Magnussen, but it's such a heartwarming story to see Williams, who were literally three or four seconds behind all the other drivers, I think last season, to come back and qualify and be what nine hundredths of a second out of Q3. Wet conditions indeed that does change things up quite a bit, but to see a Williams car back there it's, it's such a heartwarming thing to see and I think I can excuse George Russell as well because he hasn't really raced side by side with anyone for almost a year at this stage, but what could have been that's the question for them at this stage
0: absolutely i mean george russell is an upcoming talent it's a matter of only when you know he'll get into a faster car uh, it seems like he might have to be content with a third season at williams and if williams is you know sort of continuing their rate of development it might not be a bad idea altogether but that said even nicolas latifi in the wet hmm. you know his first wet qualifying session yesterday he did a fairly decent job as well So, all in all, the youngsters in Formula 1 are doing fantastically well, just as, you know, a 40-year-old is going to join in 2021 (laughs) as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been actually quite a fun weekend overall. But Kunal, thank you so much
1: for joining us, as always, here at Pitch the podium. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this particular race debrief. If you did, don't forget to like the video and leave a comment behind about what your thoughts were on the race. And also... If you really liked it, share it with your friends and family members and your fellow Formula 1 fans. We know that you've always got your Formula 1 community right behind you. So let your thoughts be known over there. And once again, Kunal, I have to say, it was really fun to have you over here on Pitch
0: the Podium as always. And
1: I think that was a of fun chat that we had here.
0: Likewise, it's a lot of fun. And I'm also glad we sort of simulcast this with the Inside Line F1 podcast. I haven't followed Absolutely. you on the podcast but you've been there several episodes now and I, I already have heard from listeners saying they love this form of content. So uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to see all of you and I'll see you, Samuel, at a video you know, in, in the next few days.
1: Absolutely. Once again, folks, have a great time and see you once again on Pitch the Podium and also the Inside NFL Podcast. See you, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.